Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key trends, drivers and movements in livestock, grain and fibre markets. So happy 2021. I hope you all had a great break over Christmas or are getting in a bit of a holiday now or wherever that might be. So one week into the new year and it certainly seems as though we're in store for another eventful one. So for livestock markets, there was some great rain over the eastern half of the country, which is really setting up many livestock producers for the year ahead. But on the other end of the supply chain, the Australian dollars gained a lot of ground over the last few weeks, which will be adding pressure on exported product. So this is something that we'll be watching very carefully over the weeks and months ahead. And for one of our last episodes of the year, I chatted with Andrew Hoskin and Angus Brown about the Southern Wiener sales and what their expectations were. And this week we had a few of the Mikado crew out at the Hamilton sales amongst all the action and the sales definitely didn't disappoint. So to discuss what went on and where to from here for prices, we have Andrew and Angus back today and Robert Herman will be speaking with them. So I hope you enjoy this episode and after a thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, we'll get stuck in. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, improving your communication and decision-making, or accounting services and business software solutions. ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website or give them a call to find out more. Yes, thanks, Olivia. And we are talking to Angus. Angus and I both caught up along with Adrian up at Hamilton on Wednesday. And um, we saw some cattle prices there, Angus, that I don't think anyone would have dreamt about. Well, there were some nuances in that, weren't there? The, the cattle, for a start, were very good. Yeah, so probably heavier this year, I think, and that's with the good season in Western Victoria. There's been plenty of um, grass around, and I reckon, you know, they're getting heavier every year as people sort of concentrate more on, on genetics and getting weight on cattle. So, yeah, it was um, some great lines of cattle coming through. And the other thing is a lot of the light cattle stayed home, I think, because there's so much feed around. Um, people are sort of keen to, to hold on to them and put a bit more weight on and get rid of the heavier end of their um, drafts. Yeah, it's extraordinary to see cattle, I mean, born last year in February, March, April and coming through weighing more than 400 kilograms and they'd been weaned, most of them been weaned. It was just, a, you're right, I think you're right, farm, the, the cattle producers in the area are getting better and better at it. They also had some extraordinary prices, I mean, I noticed in your article you wrote in December, you were saying, well, we could see prices up around um, 500 cents a kilogram for those good steers. But you did mention it was dependent on Queensland raining. Well, Queensland rained and away it went. Yeah, well, they got the rain and, and the buyers were there. So, um, you know, those light steers were making, and when I say light, so the 300 and under were making, you know, in excess of 535, 40 cents. And, Probably your average steer was 350, 370 kilos and making five bucks. So, um, yeah, no, no doubt a, a record. Well, we wrote in the article earlier in the week, definitely record pricing for all lines, but the lighter ones especially. So one of the things that you've been looking at for a few years is how 
the market stacks up, I guess, in terms of comparing it with the EYCI. And uh, so what, what were the percentage differences or the percentage premium for those cattle and how did that compare with last year? Um, so this year, so, you know, generally we work on about that 300 kilo steer. Uh, this year we're about 22% over the EYCI, but that's um, the end of December EYCI. So um, I'm not sure we've had one published yet this week. I haven't had a look, but um, yeah, so 22%, which is you know, a new record again, I think back in 19 when prices were lower, sorry, 18, um, we had a 20% premium and then last year she was 14%. So um, yeah, very good. Very good prices and, and a long way over the, um, you know, the EYCI, which is the broad indicator. Yeah. Now, the the other thing that um, you actually mentioned in your article was you talked about uh, the, the drought paradox. And uh, just explain what, what you were talking about there. Yeah. So when, when there's a drought and there's not much feed and feed's expensive, heavier cattle make more money or the same money in a sense per kilo um respect as the light cattle so uh, that's not the norm the norm is for light cattle to make uh, more money and cents a kilo as you know the dollars a head are lower and and people are always looking at those margins that dollar per head margin so the lighter the cattle um, the better when there's feed around and this year yeah that's gone to an extreme with those light steers making um, you know almost doubling I think 80 something percent over last year's prices whereas the heaviest is which were relatively well priced last year so those ones that were closer to feeder weights um were making sort of 330 340 last year and this year they're making um four bucks sorry not four bucks 450 470 so so the price rise hasn't been as strong and that's due to that last year's drought paradox and then this year the extreme reversal in that trend i think we've got some farmers out there now who um would be pinching themselves you know they've been in in western victoria there's been some really long-term cattle producers and as you pointed out they they, they get better and better each year um, producing the cattle they did what do you think happens now though because that rain in queensland that you tipped would put a bit of fire in the market came can these prices be sustained at weaner levels or in your view or, or will we see a bit of a correction or the people who missed out are they just going to drive the market harder I don't think it can go any higher. I think given the export prices and the Aussie dollar's been rising, um, feed grain, high, lower feed grain prices are factored in. So, I, yeah, I think I think we're probably at the top of where it can go and, you know, the margins on these cattle are pretty slim as is. So I don't think they'll get a lot stronger. Um, whether they'll come off is obviously depends on season and um, depends on... Uh, what happens with the autumn pretty much so if if we get a good autumn they might tick along around these levels if it if we um sort of have a dry dry autumn and the breaks late then you know we'll probably see them come off a bit yeah look I, and and i think we all agree that it's um it's very hard when you're at, the, at these extreme levels to have a firm view on what's going to come ahead because things are so buoyant and so bullish um thanks a lot angus it was good to catch up in hamilton on your old patch and uh, the old cattle yards where I, uh, <laughs> I hesitate to say how many years ago I started selling cattle there. We'll talk to you later. Thanks again for your article and um, all the best. No problems. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Commodity Conversations. Next up, Rob has a chat with Andrew Hoskin. Well, Andrew, we 
pontificated and speculated uh, in December about um, how this Wiener market might pan out. But I just before we talk too much about that, I just want to comment on the, the, the amazing situation that there were 10-month-old steers, pens of 10-month-old steers that were over 400 kilograms. I mean, it's just a real fantastic testament to the, to the breeders, isn't it? Oh, most definitely, and uh, and uh, where you've got some long-term uh, breeders that have been spending a lot of money on their genetics for many, many years and uh, have really concentrated uh, coming off the drought where they've kept the best of the best uh, uh, and then had a good season. It's wonderful to see them, regardless of breed, be able to take advantage of it and uh, and uh, the genetics sort of really show through in many, many of the cattle. Um, congratulations to all of the vendors uh, on the outstanding job that they've done and on some wonderful carbs sort of right across Victoria and South Australia. Of course, um, they've also been very well rewarded for those that, that having, you know, having a great season <laughs> and great prices at the one time is, is almost too much to expect. So, but these cattle are being bought, Posco, and they're heading in all different directions. What's your mail on where they're going and, and what the plans are for these um, the, the people who are buying these cattle? I, I, I think just to expand a little bit on what we've talked about in the past, uh, um, when you look at uh, who's bought the cattle and uh, who's operated in the differing markets, it's uh, um, congratulations to the breeders. They've had a wonderful time and are getting just desserts. But the people that have bought them, uh, um, when you break it down uh, at some of the sales, there might be uh, six or eight key buyers. Most of those have strong links to brands, supermarkets, end users, and uh, um, you've got a pretty very good idea or know where and what they're doing with them. Uh, a lot of those people, yes, the sums are very, very difficult to make add up, and uh, I'd, I'd still err on the side of caution to a lot of people, but uh, um, to the industry where they've developed and spent a lot of money on some of these quality brands, be it by breed or by uh, or, or days on feed or grass, um, if you break it down into that, it's really uh, quite pronounced who's bought the cattle and what they'll end up doing and which boxes they'll more than likely end up going into. A lot of those people will more than likely have supply chain commitments um, where they're doing it 12 months of the year and these cattle will fill a part of it. Um, so I think if you take that into account and uh, factor that into well, all the questions, well, okay, you'll see some of these operators step in and be quite sustained in their bidding, but they'll have commitments or relationships that they have to work their way through that could be established for one year, five year, 10 year, 30 years. You that, mentioned that commitments, Osco, and, and commitments are two-way things. So the, the customer they're supplying is also relying on that continued supply as well. So the, there'd have to be some sort of partnership involvement in, in, in going into a market at these levels. Oh, no doubt. And uh, some of them uh, will have arrangements that might be on a cost plus basis or on a shared uh, arrangement. Uh, there'll be people that will have, uh, you can write a forward contract for the right cattle for certain jobs into the winter um, that are at reasonable levels. Certainly the margins aren't very exciting on what the stores are making, but uh, if you've got a ongoing relationship that you have to keep going, most definitely uh, uh, there's still a sandwich in it. 
Um, you'll also see a number of the feedlots that will be backgrounding in their own right. Uh, they'll, they'll be spreading uh, their margin across two parts of their chain. They might be trying to cheapen the cattle up on grass, improve the health and quality of them and get them up to a weight to go into the feedlot to feed on for their specific market. So, uh, you know, they might be costing them $5 today, they'll background them up and uh, have them going in at a lesser price and a heavier weight when they go in. Um, it comes back to where you measure the profit and where you take it, but they're protecting brand and protecting quality. Um, and if you break that down across all the markets, it, it sort of opens up, up a little bit where you'll see some of the feedlotters, the, the valleys, the, the supermarket type uh, suppliers uh, and those with brands might hop into the black cattle. You'll see some of the grass finishers and the Gippsland bullock fatteners uh, hop into sort of uh, uh, the British and the Euro cross sort of thing where they've got uh, weight gain advantages off grass uh, to suit those high value grass markets that we've got nowadays and uh, uh, all of the breeds have presented uh, very very well and uh, and all of them have sold very very well I, I don't think there's huge differences uh, across the board there's certainly a pronounced EU uh, premium um, that's there I would say to a lot of people moving forward that uh, nowadays with all the various uh, audit requirements and everything just to have an LPA, if you're not ever going to use HGP, just get EU registered. It costs you nothing and that uh, gives you an added bow uh, with little risk. Um, so uh, that's something they can do over the next 12 months. They might get something out of it, they might not, but uh, it certainly would give them an added, uh, an added uh, opportunity next year. And pretty much the same with all the grass markets that we talked about. If you're not registered, you're missing out on the potential. Yeah, I think the other thing that, um, that, that's added something that, that was really obvious was the fact that Auctions Plus, now the Auctions Plus contingent has been involved in, in these sales for a little while, but this year with all the concern about travel and, um, and people being not able to travel across borders and that, it was Auction Plus were a very, very strong operator at, um, at the sales that we attended. Well, to be fair to all the operators, um, Auctions Plus certainly did a very good job to open it up to many markets, but also uh, your stock link, uh, a gateway, um, there's a, a farm gate, um, there's a number of different operators in that sphere, all sort of adding value. Um, you know, it depends which yard you went to. Um, you know, did you go to an RLX yard? Did you go to a council yard? Uh, who was doing it? Uh, certainly it opens the door and it's what should have happened many, many years ago. Uh, part of COVID has opened up technology, opened up uh, um, different things. It will continue to develop. There's still a lag if you're watching, uh, um, if you're watching uh, a live video on Facebook, for example, and watching Auctions Plus uh, at the same time. There'll be a lag between the two that you wonder which one's uh, on song. Um, mm -hmm. You know, those sorts of things you just have to get used to. But that's technology will continue to develop. And I think you'll find that the modern sayards uh, and uh, marketing will encompass some sort of uh, online marketing, regardless of provider. Over, it's just going to continue to develop uh, uh, right across the board. You know, you will have a significant number of people that have logged on uh, in New South Wales and Queensland, and even 
the locals. Instead of going along to the sale with COVID, they're able to sit in the smoko room in the office at work and whatever and watch a sale. There's probably a few things that need to continue to be monitored and checked. Uh, um, you know, they've had a wonderful year and uh, uh, a wonderful sales right across the board. Uh, one of the negatives, I suppose, could be uh, they could work towards a common uh, um, description. You know, when you're comparing Wodonga versus Wangaratta versus Hamilton versus Narracourt, uh, the curfew conditions are different. Some will actually have a, a regimented curfew and sell them cents per kilo. The others will be an indicative uh, weight and, uh, you know, some of the cattle in some of those centres might have only been in for three or four hours, uh, um, worst case scenario. Most of them very, very similar. But I think in fairness to buyers in all years, it needs to be a bit regimented and consistent rather than where... Um, you know, this year you could sell uh, you could sell anything because there's just that unprecedented demand uh, from the grass fattener. But uh, you know, that's something that they need to consider and work towards uh, on an ongoing basis. But uh, gee whiz, they've had a good good lot of sales, and uh, congratulations to all involved. Well, as usual, Andrew, your insights are um, are just fantastic, and we're really grateful that we can have you on Commodity Conversations. Um, we know you're based up there in Tamworth, but it's probably, you know, it's the country music capital, but it's probably also part of the epicentre of the, um, the cattle industry. So I'm going to ask you, uh, you're the person to ask, I think. These prices are well at the top range of what we thought would happen. You know, we had that rain in Queensland, we just put a little bit of a, a lick underneath it. What happens next to these wiener prices? Is this the peak and, and they come back a little bit? Everyone who's bought the cattle, um, to their credit, uh, they're going to, they've fronted up, they've purchased the cattle. Uh, the big thing I would say is that going into the winter or going into the latter half of the year, they've actually got the cattle to sell. Now, uh, uh, the numbers are not there. This time last year, you went into Western Australia, you went into the top end uh, and, and bought differing sort of cattle to fill markets and to utilise grass. I don't think that opportunity is going to be there this year. We're just getting less and less numbers about the place and more and more grass. Um, so at the end of the day, you've got the producer and you can't stop a cocky with grass. They're tearing in, filling the gaps. Uh, I hark back to what I said there earlier, where the specialists or those that are in the industry uh, uh, all the time are filling and meeting their requirements, and that's a lot of the cattle. Uh, in years gone past, you'd go to uh, Gippsland, you'd go to the Monaro, you'd go to the Northern Rivers, you'd go to Tasmania. They're the sort of runner calves that you'd go to get those higher, higher quality, well-bred cattle. All of those areas are going to have significantly less numbers based off drought and rebuild. Um, you really aren't in a position to go anywhere and get a great heap of cattle to maintain a, a black label brand or a grass, uh, a grass brand. Uh, you know, numbers are going to be an issue right across the industry and right across the eastern seaboard for quite some time. And I, I think that's more reflected in the heifer sales than it is in the steer sales. Uh, um, Hamilton this morning on the box uh, uh, or Casterton, they're, they're just kicking every pen of any quality and breeding type uh, at a joinable weight sort of at $5 or better for heifers. Now, uh, uh, that's hard work to make add up if uh, you're going back into background programs. Uh, 
but quite a few of them will be going into domestic type background programs uh, um, and then the balance of them are going into uh, herd rebuild yeah. on top of significantly less numbers than normal where the breeders are hanging on to probably a few more to add to their own replacements. Well, it all looks like um, we're going to be talking about the cattle industry in a positive light for a little bit further. We're certainly going to ask you to come back again, Andrew, because we know we've got feedback that, you know, your insights are valuable. We love talking to you. Thanks a lot. Stay safe up there in Tamworth and um, we hope to talk to you again soon. All the very best. Thank you for the opportunity and congratulations to all the breeders who've done an outstanding job and uh, been well, well rewarded. And uh, I hope the buyers uh, can take advantage of uh, the season and cheapen the cattle up uh, for the butchers. Um, but all the very best for 2021 and it's uh, certainly a brighter start than uh, this time last year. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Angus, Hosko and Rob for today's episode. And thanks, listeners, for tuning in again. Take a look at Angus's article covering the results of the Wiener sales, which is published on the Mikado website. And we'll also be back to our normal reporting schedule next week on Mikado. So keep an eye out for your emails coming then. And as always, please share this podcast around with your friends, family and colleagues and give us a rating on your podcast app of choice. Thanks and we'll be back for another episode next week. Thanks for listening to Commodity Conversations, audio production by David Myers.